0: Welcome to Distinct Poplar, a twice monthly audio fiction series written and narrated by Matt Herzberg from www.distinctpoplar.com. This is episode 19 of series 1 The Call.
1: The monkey's shadow puppet spoke, but not with Bree's voice. I may take many forms, and I may hide behind many names. It was not her own anymore, and had been replaced by something shrill and high-pitched that made all of the little hairs on Chillin's neck stand on end. Bad children need to be punished shouted the shadow puppet. It seemed so much more fluid and cohesive now instead of a crude creation of human fingers. Bad subjects need to be punished, it said again as its eyes stopped floating around the room and focused directly on Challen. You need to be punished. It was as if the shadow puppet was somehow staring into Chellin's very soul. The two of them locked eyes so intently that Chellin found it difficult to look away. You've You've done a lot of of bad things, young lady, shouted the monkey face, as if everything Chellin had ever done was on display for it to view somehow. Desperately, Chelin fought to resist whatever it was the monkey face was doing to her. Though she was transfixed within its harrowing gaze, she knew that she still had her wits about her. She could still think, she could still feel how awful this experience was, which meant she could also resist. So she gritted her teeth and clenched her jaw, straining to pull her eyes away from the emotionless black shadow orbs that formed in the monkey face where Bree's fingertips had been before. And what had happened to Bree? Chellin wondered. Was the younger girl still standing behind her making the motions? Was the terrible haunted voice issuing from her lips despite it sounding nothing like her? The only way Chellin would be able to find out was as if she was able to break free. Attempting to do this, to resist caused Chellin a tremendous amount of discomfort, and there was a feeling like lead weights behind her eyes. She couldn't help but break out into a drenched sweat, as the temperature in the room just kept getting hotter and hotter. Meanwhile, the monkey face became more and more complex as it mutated on the wall. The shadows that created it swam and transformed the visage, adding details with each passing second. Soon its large eyes were filled with darkness, a flat puckered nose appeared, and its eyebrows raised past a receding hairline. Then it had a full mouth to be opened with a big gap-toothed smile, and all around its cheeks and oversized ears, Dark shadow was sculpted into black fur. But during this transformation, Chellen had somehow found the strength within her to break free of the monkey's face, and seemingly its supernatural hold over her. Finally, it had worked. Finally, she was free of the black gaze of the shadow puppet. It had simply been a matter of concentration— one in which Bree had been used by Chellen as a focal point. She must check on the younger girl to find out what was happening. In order to do that, she had all but to look away. When that finally did happen, the face rapidly disappeared, the shadow conjuration losing form in the bright light of the projection machine until it was completely gone in a matter of seconds. When Challen had turned towards Bree, she found that the girl had fainted, her body lying on the carpeted floor of her bedroom, a crumpled mess. Her skin had undergone a particularly white and sickly pallor, her eyes were closed and her mouth was slack. Her arms and legs were trapped beneath her body, as if she had just collapsed straight down on them somehow. Chellin found that it was nearly impossible to rouse the younger girl from her fainted state, and opted to move her to the bed while she tried to figure out what to do next. With a quick heft, she pulled Bree up by her armpits and set the smaller girl down on the pink and white comforter, decorated with crystal blue silhouettes of a thousand or so faded cartoon horses. After the girl was in place amongst them, Chelin couldn't help but notice how peaceful Bree looked this way, as if everything in the world that bothered her just melted away in this moment. She could see the steady but shallow rise and fall of her chest, which meant that she was at least breathing, a fact that made Chelin feel much better. Chelin resigned herself to leave Bree in that serene moment and tried to find a house phone to call for help. But after a quick and thorough search of the tiny, dirty apartment, she could find nothing. That was until she went looking within the inner confines of Bree's long-eared backpack. When Chellin investigated it, what she found was a phone, and when she fished it out of the bag, she could see it better. But this was not just any phone. It wasn't like a house phone with a dial pad and miles of twisted receiver cord, and it was not like a street-side rotary payphone. No, it was a cell phone, the type of phone that Chellin was forbidden from using. A sleek and curved piece of black plastic about the size of a bar of soap, with dials and buttons, exposed gears, and small blinking lights that dotted each corner. All of these things had their part to play in the way that the forbidden thing rumbled and sputtered and gyrated when it sent and received cellular phone calls, causing the whole device to glow with an array of fabulous rotating colors of pink, orange, purple, and green. It was also an older model, refurbished, pre-owned, and thoroughly scratched on the screen. Though Chellin was no expert on technology, even she could tell that this was a phone that was past its prime. Even the letters and numbers of the small bead-like buttons and keys were almost completely worn away. Undoubtedly from years of use in the sweaty hands of many other teenagers, the typicals, who all had phones of their own, even from a very young age. And even though this one was well-worn and almost used up, that it had seen better days, the very fact that she owned it meant that Brie was no exception from the rest of them. Chellin stood in silence, staring at the boxy, scratched-up screen of the device in complete puzzlement of her situation. She had found a phone. She could get help for Brie. All it meant was sacrificing one of her people's most sacred precepts. ROMs do not use new modern technology. An overwhelming feeling of hypocrisy flooded over Chellen, as just earlier that day she had lectured Bree about the dangers of using this technology and how it changed people. Changed them for the worst. Most Typicals who owned these devices spent their whole time staring into them vapidly with crooked necks, completely detached from the world around them. Or so, that's how it seemed to the ROMs, who danced around kids at school who were ever engrossed in their phones. Making rude gestures and throwing harmless things at them to get their attention, the ROMs had their fun at the Typicals' expense. Still, the typicals were detached and oblivious to everything around them as they shuffled through the hallways. Chellin wondered now, would she be forever changed if she decided to use Bree's phone, even if it were only to help the younger girl? Well, she didn't have to use Bree's phone. She could leave the apartment brave, drunk and dangerous Melga once again in the doorway and wander around a bad neighborhood looking for a public payphone that most likely didn't exist. Bree could be in real trouble while Chellin was gone, and something even worse could happen to Chellin out there. She activated the phone by mashing every button until the thing was fully illuminated. Surely just turning the thing on wasn't the same as making a call with it. Or so she rationalized to herself. She figured out how to cycle through the contacts after a few frustrating moments of practice. When the boxy screen of the device read, Mom, don't answer, Chelan breathed a sigh of relief. Still, the title of the contact with instructions in parentheses which Bree had undoubtedly added on her own for a reason, just didn't sit right with her. Chellin guessed that the reminder instructions were a warning, but for what reason she did not have the answer. And as the device sat innocuously in her hands, Chellin couldn't help the urge she was feeling to use the device, no matter the cultural consequences no matter the kinds of things that Bree had mentioned earlier about her mother hurting her. Whatever that was, Chellen felt like she just had to know. The allure of using the forbidden device wasn't in the idea of breaking the rules. She had already done so much of that already anyway, but instead in helping Brie and also discovering what was truly going on here so she randomly mashed her thumb on the buttons of the phone until it began a call. As she raised one end of the device up to her ear and pointed the opposite end by her mouth, Chelyn felt her breath escape from her throat as she waited nervously for the answer to her call. Was this the exact moment, she wondered? Was this the very exact moment where she would change forever? Would other ROMs be able to tell, somehow, that she had done this unforgivable act? And what would become of her now? Should her parents find out she was breaking ROM precepts so effortlessly? The ringtone sounded five times from the speaker, a flat, extended beeping sound. And she could feel her chest tighten with each one. It was the anticipation that fed Chellen's anxiety. A thousand different potential outcomes flashed through her mind in rapid succession. What would Bree's mother have to say to a Rom girl? Would she be angry? Would she be upset? Would she be. Hello? The phone stopped beeping and clicked over. Hello? said a scratchy female voice that wormed its way into Chellin's ear. Hello? It said again. And then it said, Breglin! Breglin! Suddenly, Chellin found that she was unable to say anything at all in reply. Instantly, she wondered if the phone had somehow actually stolen her breath from her very body. But it was worse than that. For even though she seemingly had no voice, neither did she have the words to speak with it. Her mind went blank with what to say to the disembodied voice on the other end. A greeting, something to identify herself, even a simple explanation for the call. All of it was gone from her mind as she now stood there frozen and unable to react. Each passing second of silence, made this more and more awkward and unbearable however it was as if the voice on the other end somehow already knew that something was not quite right who is this said the scratchy female voice where's bregland
0: If you've been enjoying Distinct Poplar, we would love to hear about it. Please consider rating and reviewing us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you found our stories. Positive reviews go a long way to helping us find new listeners, and I truly appreciate it. You've been listening to Series 1, Episode 19, The Call. Written and narrated by Matt Herzberg and copyright Wednesday, October 31st, 2018. The music for this episode is by Dan Bowden and Kevin McLeod. For more information, see the details in this episode's description. For more stories like this one, as well as eBooks and more information about the city that forgot to stay clean, check us out online at www.distinctpoplar.com or through our social media. Just search for Distinct Poplar on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Stop by. Say hello.